It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUV Sports will bring you into that realm with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings-on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound Podcast. And indeed it is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound Podcast on this Thursday, January the 26th, and unlike Chael Sun and Tom... We never tap out. We're never tapping out. We had a little bit, was it a little more than a week hiatus? Maybe, was it two weeks? We've been, we've been away we for a we, little we, amount of time. It's been a while. And I have been itching to get back on this podcast because in boxing and MMA right now, exciting time, a lot of things going on. So Yes, there is, and we will get to all the Bellator disaster later on in the show, plus everything else, but obviously the lead of this one is this Saturday's matchup between Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. Last year's fight of the year, as picked by both of us mm-hmm. on our year-end show. I, and I have not been this excited for uh, an action fight like this in some time. Oh, yeah, and especially when that first fight happened last year. Y- it was a free fight on Showtime, and you knew there was that potential there. The broadcast team was hyping us up, saying that these were two action fighters, and there was a possibility we were going to have something special in that ring. But we didn't know what was going to happen, what it ended up with being that fight of the year candidate. It didn't win fight of the year in every medium. It won both of our picks here on Pound for Pound. And it's a lot of stuff to talk about as well in terms of this fight, but it's two action guys, two guys that don't shy away from going toe-to-toe. You can't ask for anything better in the sport of boxing. All right, let's break this one down. I thought that in the first fight, Leo Santa Cruz sort of lost his head a little bit. Yeah, and, and uh, what sense do you mean by that? Because I, I think I know what you're talking about. You know, about, but... his dad, who his trainer, he told him to box more, and mm-hmm. I could see why, because you're facing a, a slugger like Frampton, and you don't want to play right into him. And I think in that first fight, Leo definitely played into the hands of Frampton, and I'm not sure if he will make the same mistake on Saturday, even though this now is in his backyard in Los Angeles. That was what I thought you were talking about, because absolutely going into the first one, Santa Cruz was known as the more slick boxer, even though he had the potential to be an action fighter, and we saw that that night. But like you said, Frampton allowed Santa Cruz to make the fight. Well, uh, Santa Cruz allowed Frampton to fight the way that Frampton wanted to fight, and that was a brawl fighting in a phone booth. That's exactly what they wanted. And my prediction for this fight, at least in that sense, will probably be Santa Cruz will have that same strategy that he had in the first fight. He's going to go out there, try to outbox Frampton, try to keep his distance, use his jab. But once again, I don't see anything preventing Frampton from making it his type of fight again. Presumably, I... Because that's why he's so successful, is because he beats guys by making them fight his fight. You don't get to become fighter of the year by not fighting your style. Oh, absolutely. But I think the game plan for Santa Cruz has to be different 
in this fight, and there was such a big crowd in Brooklyn. It was so loud. Great atmosphere great. because they had a lot of uh, Irish people oh, there yeah. at Barclays Center. It was a great crowd to begin with, even before anything happened in the ring. So, so I think that Santa Cruz is going to change it up in this one. Whether that will be effective enough, whether he will do enough with that style to combat Carl Frampton's activity and his punching prowess, I'm not so sure. He's got to keep him at distance. That's absolutely what he needs to do because Frampton likes to fight in close. And if Santa Cruz, the more slick boxer in this case, keeps him away with his jab, uses his quickness advantage that he has, uses his movement, uses his feints, that's what he's going to need to do. But also, Frampton has a way of uh, frustrating guys that he's in the ring with. So Santa Cruz got frustrated that first fight, and that's what happened into making it a brawl. And I don't want Santa Cruz to execute the game plan that he has because I want another fight like the first one. But I agree, he's probably going to try to change stuff up. He'll try. That's the word. He's at least going to try. That's we don't the know. key yeah. word is, is try. And, of course, if Santa Cruz does win this fight, we're looking at a trilogy. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say... I had that in my mind when I was thinking about this fight today. If we need a rubber match between these two, this is going to be, and this second fight turns out to be a great one, this is going to be that next big trilogy in boxing like a Mickey Ward and Arturo Gatti so many years ago. Maybe not living up not to, to that, that level, level of action. That's, that's the basis of what a great but boxing the, trilogy, trilogy can be. But the prestige is higher with both men. Well, Santa Cruz now with the one loss and... Carl Frampton now is the undisputed featherweight champion of the world. I want to get to predictions because this is obviously as close of a matchup as we're going to see in boxing, as we saw in the first one. This is tough. Tom, I'm not sure who we, who you got. I was, again, another thing I was thinking about today uh, leading up to do the podcast, it's one of the harder predictions I think we're going to have to make all year in either sport that we talk about on this show. And you have to think that Santa Cruz wants that victory back so badly, got that first loss on his record, and you know he's going to at least try to come in with that new strategy, or at least not even a new strategy, just try to have that strategy that he had in the first fight, but try to take it into the deeper rounds. But I think I'm going to have to watch the first fight back again before I watch the second one. But based on what I remember from watching that fight, I remember Frampton landing the cleaner shots yes. on Santa Cruz. And I believe that Frampton is going to be able to make it his fight again because that's how the reason he's been so successful. And I think he's going to be able to do it again and he's going to beat Santa Cruz and go 2-0 and against him. That's my prediction. But maybe it'll change if I watch the first fight one more time. You know, a lot of times we, we see it a lot when a fighter beats another fighter for the title and... The next and in a subsequent rematch, the challenger, the previous champion, knocked off the pedestal, now more hungry to take it back. And the champion, uh, maybe a little bit more complacent. Uh, I'm not saying this is going to be Frampton at all by any stretch of the imagination. But when you lose like that, the hunger, you know, the hunger really is there. We saw it with Duran Leonard. We saw it with Balboa Creed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember seeing that one on pay-per-view, the second one. Oh, you saw <laughs> it. I mean, not quite on... Well, we Balboa did have to pay Creed. for it. <laughs> but, you know, I... 
I'm going to have to go with Leo Santa Cruz. All right, we're going to disagree. I think that Leo Santa Cruz will win seven rounds, and Carl Frampton will be five. By the way, the odds for a draw for this one are pretty high. Probably are are pretty good. Yeah, we don't have the exact odds of it, but it has to be pretty. Because you look at that first fight, how difficult that was. That was one of the most difficult fights of the year to score. And obviously, you and me, when we watch these fights, we like to score them. Oh, of course. And, like... Aside from being the fight of the year, it probably was one of the most difficult fights to score of 2016. So I guarantee, regardless of which one of us is right, it's going to be a tough one. But I just think Leo Santa Cruz is going to go in there in his home in Los, a- in Los Angeles. He's going to come in there with a different game plan. He's learned his lesson from Brooklyn. And I think he's a talented enough fighter that he's going to be able to execute it, despite you know the onslaught that we all know is coming from Carl Frampton. This is obviously a tough a, call. A coin flip, really. And also, you you have to think, maybe the crowd, him being at, at his hometown, will play a factor into it. Because looking back at the Barkley Center fight, Santa Cruz didn't have many fans in the building that night. No. And whether we like it or not, I don't think it should. But crowd reaction plays a big part in how these judges score fights. So if there, some guy is landing big shots and the crowd is making a lot of noise behind it, that might subconsciously even affect the way that a judge is scoring a fight. So maybe that will work in Santa Cruz's favor being in his hometown. It, it's happened in the past. I see you making the face over there, but it does happen. It might have happened, but it, it's... I'm not sure if I agree that that happens all the time. It no, it doesn't happen all the Guys time. Guys get hometown decisions for whatever reason. If it's a hundred to nothing in terms of fans in the crowd, I think it has to play a difference, at least with some judges, the way that a fight is scored. There are some judges out there who I think are great that will judge almost always the same the way that I usually score it and not usually because I think I'm a great judge but I'm just saying I I think there are great judges but I also think there's others that are affected by things that shouldn't affect the way that they're judged and I think uh, hometown reaction is part of that well we whether or not it is it's sure to be an unbelievable fight absolutely and I can't wait to watch it in St. Louis this weekend. St. Louis will be up with the women's basketball team, you and Corey Miller. We did our on-the-road version of this podcast the last time we were up in uh, uh, down in in Lexington. Where were we? We're in Virginia. uh, Fairfax, Virginia. Virginia. Fairfax. Sorry, it was almost said Lexington, Virginia, which is (laughs) probably not even close to where we were. (laughs) But but, uh, anyway, I mean, this is... uh, so far, we've had one major fight this year in boxing. Badu Jack, James DeGale, oh, also on Showtime. Can we talk about oh, this? Of course. Absolutely. Right, yeah. uh, we were going to get to this. Okay. But w- let's just get to it. What did you think of the decision? Okay. I'm going to pref- uh, preface what I say about the decision, preface what I'm going to say about the decision with this. It was the first major fight of the year. It was the best fight in the best, number one and two in the super middleweight division. And they put on a great oh, show great fight. in the main event at Barclays Center. I probably should have tried to get credentialed for that one, but I'm going to try to get credentialed for uh, Triple G and Daniel Jacobs at the Garden. But regardless of that, it was a great fight. And kudos to Mayweather Promotions for putting on a really good show uh, at Barclays Center. Watching that undercard as well, there was also some good fights there on were. there. But uh, it was a really nice, really nice main event, and I really enjoyed watching it. Two guys were really active going toe-to-toe. Then again... The decision being a majority draw and the one scorecard going to James DeGale is absolutely, I cannot believe that that happened. (laughs) 
And don't get me wrong, this was a very, very close fight, and it was by no means easy to judge. But I had it 114-112 for Badu Jack, and I thought it was pretty easy for it to at least be around there. There were some rounds that the Gale took. Obviously, there were the two knockdowns, one very early on in the fight and then one in the last round. I thought, and also I looked at, you know, on the internet, and the general consensus after that seemed to be that Jack had won. And I, I thought it was very, and I have a hypothesis as to why DeGale did so well on the judges' scorecards. Oh, boy, but what is it? You want it now, or yes. do you want to get here's yours? our conspiracy theorist of it's the not day. A, it's not a conspiracy theorist. We're going to get to our Chael Sonnen conspiracy yes, theories that in a is, few minutes. That is a conspiracy but theory. But let's get this one. This one, not a conspiracy theory. I think it's more of just what happened. Uh... Badu Jack, and if you look at the copy box of that fight, outlanded DeGale in almost every round. And I know that a number of landed punches shouldn't be the only factor in judging a fight, because if that was, why do we even have judges? Just tally who lands more punches. I know that doesn't matter. It's significant shots. It's aggressiveness. It's all that stuff. But looking back at that fight, Badu Jack out, outlanded James DeGale, and on top of that, James DeGale would throw these really hard, loud shots at Badu Jack, but a lot of the time they would be bouncing off of his gloves, but they'd make this big, big sound. He was throwing these looping hooks against Jack, and they were making these big sounds that caught the eyes and ears of the judges, but they weren't landing, and that was why I refused to give DeGale some of these rounds that the judges at the fight gave him, and I think that's a big reason that played into the judging was the judges saw him throwing these punches, but they weren't necessarily landing, at least by my eyes. You know, Jack did mention that after the fight in his post-fight right. interview with uh, Jim Gray. And May Floyd Mayweather, by the way, you should not be surprised that he's putting on a good show. Well, he always does. But he, he loves the flashiness. He does. Come on. If there was anyone that could have a natural transition to a, being a promoter, no, not, it would be Of him. course. Now, he said after the fight, of course... <laughs> The only promoter that's going to get interviewed in the ring after oh, a fight. It, it's pretty crazy how he's the only one. How much spotlight he still gets, you know? Uh, he said that he, of course, he disagreed with the decision. He said that Badu Jack was the better man, and he that it was a bad decision. Absolutely, I agree. I with him. did not think it was a bad decision. I thought Jack could have definitely outpointed him. I did not think DeGale could have outpointed him, but a draw is not a bad card in my mind. I think DeGale did enough in a lot of the rounds to snatch them, and I did not think that was a bad decision. However, I believe that Badu Jack clearly was the better man in the fight because he had some big rounds. Of course, Absolutely. James DeGale, his knockdown was a flash knockdown. Exactly. Yep. It didn't hurt Jack. It was about timing. It was about precision. And Jack popped right up, wasn't hurt, wasn't damaged. Fight on. But it's a knockdown. As opposed to Jack, who hurt DeGale and was close to finishing was him. close to finishing him. And just look how the guys looked after that fight. Oh, of course. James DeGale, you got to give him credit. The guy looked like an absolute warrior after that fight. He... Something happened with his ear. I forgot what the exact injury was. His face was bloodied. He oh, lost a th tooth. Oh, thing with the eardrum yeah, or something? something with a ruptured eardrum or something like that. He lost a tooth. His face was bloodied up. Oh, because he, he didn't even like... put the mouthpiece in. Yeah, because he, he kept spitting out his mouthpiece. Oh, my that God. Was, that's his fault. 
He kept a lot of interesting things happened in this. Aside from it being Arthur Mercanti gets punched in the face <laughs> and at the end of the round. I don't know what round that was. Oh, that God. was hilarious. And it was. He took a good punch, Arthur Mercanti. That was that was pretty hilarious. He did. But, uh, he looked like he was cut later he, on in the fight. Yeah, I'm his, not sure he, if he was. His though. face was bleeding. I don't know if it was one of the guys' blood, but his face was bleeding. And on DeGale, his chest. you know, the ref, uh, Mercanti, Arthur Mercanti Jr. Uh, he warned DeGale about dropping the mouthpiece. That's been done before. You know, when you drop the mouthpiece, you, you you try to waste time. You try to get an automatic timeout from the referee. If I'm a referee, this is what referees should do: just pick up the mouthpiece, put it in your pocket. Fight on. If he wants to drop the mouthpiece, yeah, God yeah. bless him. That was clearly by the second and third time. You know it's not an accident. God bless him. Guess yeah. what? You ain't fighting with a mouthpiece. And, he, and what? He paid the price for it. He oh, lost yeah. But it wasn't even just the knockdowns. A, most, a lot of the jack rounds were lopsided jack rounds. Absolutely, yeah. But, of course, in boxing, it's like the electoral college. It's, it's a flawed system. It's like, it's, I mean, flawed, maybe... But it is what it is. Actually, it's like I, the Electoral College. Of course, in the Electoral College, you can win by 4 million votes in California and win by 44,000 votes in Pennsylvania, but you win the, you win the states. And, of course, it is, it's the same thing in boxing. So that is wh- that's why, points-wise, I did not think it was that bad of a decision. However, it is clear that Jack is the better man and there will there will luckily not be a rematch. Jack's already vacated the belt. You, you say belt, luckily be why? Not likely, not luckily. Oh, likely likely oh, there yeah. won't be a rematch. Jack already dropped the belt. He's looking for the money fights. And he's and, done it all in at one sixty eight right now, essentially beating DeGale. After now he's gonna be going now with him going up to light heavyweight, searching for bigger money opponents. It's not just I, I mean that's might be the reason or part of the reason, but Mayweather said that night it was because he couldn't make the weight. And if he's oh, being honest, on. if he's being honest come that he can't on. make the weight, then he can't make the weight. He's a big guy, Badu Jack. And if he can't make one sixty eight, the weight the weight drain is very hard. I mean, if he can't make the, how do you know he can't make the weight? I don't know that he can, or that he can either. Well, he did make the weight. He said it was and very he looked difficult great. for him. To, I mean, he said it was difficult for him to make the weight, but regardless, I don't it, it doesn't matter because. My uh, my man on commentary, Paulie Malinaji on sh- on Showtime, Brooklyn Zone. He's a dream guest on this show. Lo- I want to have a him. dream be guest. Great. But he said at the end of the fight, he's like, I'm not at all disappointed with a draw because these two guys in the first fight of 2017, they really went out there and set the tone for what we hoped coming into this year was going to be a real rebound year for the sport of boxing. And it looks like it one fight in, if if that's setting the tone for, especially on Showtime, Showtime's doing a great job. They have this whole campaign of the best fighting the best. And if you're putting one and two in a division in the ring against each other, odds are you're not going to have a snooze fest. Absolutely. I really love I think they're doing, I yeah, really doing love a great job. What Showtime is doing right now and is going to be doing uh, the remainder of the year, them, of course, with CBS as well, with CBS yeah, with airing the, uh, the uh, Garcia fight. fight. Yeah. Which uh, I both of us will likely be attending. Yes, I can't wait. Any of these local ones, we'd like to we'd like to get now, into. Let's go from one conspiracy theory to another. <laughs> Bellator, Tito versus Sonnen. Oh my God! Where do you oh even, my where God! Where do you even start with? Forty-one-year-old Tito in his last bout against the thirty-nine-year-old Chael Sonnen, 
of course, both have made their mark in the UFC. Tito, of course, being one of the great pioneers of the sport, he deserved to have he deserved to have a high profile fight to go out on. And look, you want to put big names in in the cage together? Fine. I, I you know, obviously, if you want to be a really serious promotion. Maybe not. I'm with you because, but yeah, I, I mean, watched it. I of course I I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact, so that I guess kind of explains my interest in it. Oh, if, I did watch it live. If you're if you're Bellator, you're you want to solidify yourself as the second best, second largest MMA promotion in the world. Do you necessarily want to have that reputation as the UFC retirement home? Uh, like, if you're trying to build a brand, don't you want that to be around young stars? Do you really want a 39-year-old and a 41-year-old in your main event? Well, by the way, Bellator might, is the number two by default because WSOF, the World Series of Fighting, not doing great at the moment. They just postponed another event. Uh, they put all their eggs in the basket for the New York event, which was a good event. Which but, was uh, New Year's Eve, right? Yes. Yeah. But let's just get to the fight itself because what, what a debacle. What a debacle. Chael goes for the guillotine. Why? I don't know. Tito was not close to being in position for the guillotine. He tried, kept it on despite Tito be, having a lateral press on him, which everyone knows you can't finish the guillotine from there. But, of course, got to crank the neck, yeah. Ch- Tito, of course, gets out, puts a something on him. A chin lock. Sort, it looked like a wrestling chin lock. That was what it looked like. It didn't. Let's get to uh, you get, first, get, Tom. So what, what? What did you think? Well, of the finish. And by the way, if you don't know, Chael tapped, tapped out, out, and Tito held it on for a little bit long. Let's get to you first. Overall, even before it started, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a sideshow. Oh, of course, with, with the entrances. I like the entrances. But, uh, but to some extent. Look, you, yeah, you filled up the forum almost. You probably got some decent viewership on it, but it's like the WWE. Uh, it's like, I by the way, like we it. might be getting to some WWE no, later. It's not even that. <laughs> I, I'm not against WWE in any way. I think UFC has taken a lot of elements from WWE. The way they hype their fights, that's fine. It just came across the presentation. Biggest circus. Came, came across as so circus-like, so cheesy. They have a lot to learn from the UFC to really compete in that department, in in my opinion. Let's get to the finish. Talking about the finish, I thought it was a little fishy. Um, I'm not going to go full out and say it was fixed, but it looked a little fishy to me because, like you said, that looked like a chin lock Tito Ortiz had on Shel Sonnen. His arm was not under the neck. It was on his chin. How are you? Why are you tapping out when it's on your chin? That never happens. How could you have a guy in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at UFC 205 who's being like suffocated and he doesn't tap out, <laughs> but when Chell Sonnen has it on his chin? If anything, if you're trying to use submission defense, that's where you want it to be. You don't want it to get under your neck. That's the place he wanted it to be, yet he still tapped out. It, I'm not saying it was fixed. I'm not saying he took a dive or anything like that. It just seemed a little fishy to me. Maybe I got my payday. Who gives it? Who who gives it? You know, let me just tap out. You know, <laughs> almost, uh, <laughs> almost. But I got it. Who he gives- didn't get it, by the way. Yeah, we we have we did not edit it. He did not actually. I say did it. not get there. I stopped myself. Who gives it? So, you know? of course. So, what do you think? Does that sound crazy? What I'm Tito saying right now? Tito held the hold. 
longer than John McCarthy did to stop it, longer than it took John McCarthy to stop it. He held a little, a little bit too long. He was admonished by McCarthy. Some people were like, oh, he, that's not that's not cool. That's, you know, he can't do that. Do you know why he did that? Why? Because he couldn't freaking believe that, that Sonnen tapped out. Yeah. That was not, that was not under the chin by any means. He had part of his forearm and bicep it was, it was unbelievable. on the mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm telling that you, That was not a choke. He got his payday. I'm telling oh you, there was God. there was something there. He was not being... Obviously, that we weren't in that position. Absolutely but. brutal. And did he take a dive? There's been dives taken before in MMA. There is no doubt about that. I truly believe, and I'm not the only one, I 100% believe that Ken Shamrock... Threw against the, Kimbo? Threw the fight against Kimbo and took a dive. 100%. That, that was even more fishy than this one was. But 100% believe that. I'm not, I'm not even suggesting that he took the dive. I'm saying that he's paid. He got paid to do this fight, a hefty sum. He doesn't care about winning it. Just, just I'm in this position where I I'm I am close. not ruling out the dive. Uh, maybe he got paid off by another source, but even because if he just he had was the contract. So, he was so... Awful. That I I just let's just move on because that's that's and that's it's just a, it's a real black man. eye on Bellator because you draw this <laughs> among good, amongst the several others amongst several but you draw this great crowd to the forum a legendary arena it, it, this was supposed to be your big night with your biggest main event and it turns out to be an absolute sham where some people are thinking that he took a dive that's possibly the worst thing that could have happened in your main event. Let's get to some news and notes. Uh, UFC Denver this weekend, uh, highlighted by Shevchenko versus Pena, Cowboy Cerrone fighting for the first for the second time in two minutes. It's amazing how often uh, Cerrone fights. The one I'm watching is Francis Naganu. This guy is a cold-blooded killer. One of the one of my favorite fighters right now. In the UFC, he's had some of the most vicious performances, and I think Andre Arlovsky is in, is in some big trouble. He's just even a- though Arlovsky surprised people before. Whether he still has anything in the in the tank, probably not, but remains to be seen. Nobody thought he would beat Travis Brown, but at the same time. This man is uh, on his way to the top. What a physical specimen he is. <laughs> Even if you don't follow MMA, just look at a picture of this guy, and you'd be like, oh, oh yeah, that guy's a fighter? I'd believe that because he is absolutely massive, in great shape for a heavyweight. Because you see some heavyweights in the UFC who are not in good shape. He, he looks like he's chiseled out of stone. So, he, so he's got a long way to go, or, or at least somewhat of a long way to go. But the heavyweight division with, with Stipe up top, it's wide open, especially below him. So, yeah, and by the way, I'm just going to gloss over the main event a little a little bit. Pure grappler versus striker match with Pena uh, facing the adept striker, Shevchenko. Of course, the last time we saw Shevchenko in the octagon, she just took apart Holly Holm. That was just a five-round destruction. I have it close, but I think Shevchenko is going to take this one and get her rematch with Nunez for the title where she'll lose again. <laughs> but how about it? Uh, three 
well, not four, three in a, three in a row. No, four, w- four major UFC shows, pay per view, yeah, and you know where the I was Fox going. Network, yeah. headlined by women. By women, and the first two did great. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely it, great. And we'll be attending the next one. Oh, being yes. headlined by women, UFC 208, where they uh, Holly Holm I making mean, her return. You just mentioned her to the to the octagon, but yeah, it's great for the for the women's division of the UFC. And I'm hoping, being a boxing fan big time boxing fan is I hope that women's boxing will will come back in some capacity because UFC women's MMA is drawing really well and the main event I I, I don't know if you saw it but with the Showtime Extreme card before oh yeah the that was a great fight card, the the main event with Amanda Serrano she is a really big deal and uh, she's been a title holder uh, in the women's division for a long time now, so she she put on a good show. Yeah, and that was a objective. very good show. Yeah, so that was good to see. And it was that, the first time in years that uh, women's boxing was on was on television like that. Heather Hardy too from Brooklyn, but uh, yeah, this is the legacy of Ronda Rousey. I mean, she oh. elevated the sport so that others could surpass her, and now we see four straight major shows headlined by women. So I think ultimately that will be the legacy of Ronda Rousey. And it's about time that boxing would look at what the success that women's MMA is having and think, we're trailing MMA by a lot right now. Why not try this with women? Try to get an, a new audience in. Uh, might be too little too late, but at least they're trying. So speaking of the Brooklyn card, uh, I'm personally a little bit bummed out that we won't be seeing the black beast, Derek Lewis. Yes, you're a big fan of his. I love Derek Lewis. <laughs> I love him. He's got the. He's so powerful. He just falls on you, just punches you out. He and Travis Brown are now the main event at Halifax because Stefan Struve gets hurt, gifting Dos Santos a title fight in Dallas, moving Derek Lewis to Brooklyn, excuse me, to Halifax, probably moving New Jersey's own Jim Miller and Dustin the Diamond Poirier up to the main card. It's musical chairs as usual. And it's so, and it's... It's difficult to keep track of this stuff. It is sometimes. a lot of the time. Unfortunately, the, the two hundred eight card isn't necessarily like. Oh, it's deep. That, it's, it's it's deep. Come on, it is, but like not the spider. Top. I mean, he's not. Derek Brunson is coming off a loss. He's really not that dangerous, in my opinion. And uh, Anderson is past his prime, and that's the co-main event. I'm Remember, not that exci- Anderson. It's going to be cool to see him in person, but it, Anderson's really, really only lost twice. But I'm he, not counting the Cormier fight, and I'm not counting the broken leg. But the guy's 41 years old. I know, but it, he's it's, only he's really lost. He's only really lost twice, and he might have beaten Bisping. He might have. He yeah. might have beaten Look, B- Bisping. Bisping is is not by any means a dominant champion. Right that now. will be a decision that will be glossed over from some time. But now our last part of the show. This. This is something I've been excited for. This Sunday night, it is not boxing. It is not MMA. It's the Royal Rumble. It is the Royal Rumble match in WWE, one of my favorite events of the year. And we have to we have to get make our predictions. Tom, who you got? I don't know. I, I mean, I've... Royal Rumble, when I was growing up, was one of my favorite events. I went to it. the 08 Rumble at the went, Garden, yeah, which was won by Cena. When right. he went, came out thirtieth, and no, and he was hurt. He had a torn pectoral muscle, and nobody expected him to be back. But he came back 
eliminated the game Triple H and won it all. I never went to one, but my my favorite one was I used to have a VHS tape of the 2001 Royal Rumble. Oh, that, that was, was a, Rock, right? I no, think no, that no. That was Austin. That was Stone yeah, Cold. That yeah, that was Austin. Yeah, that was uh, I think it, that was the one Kane had like 11 guys that he threw out. <laughs> that, that was a good one. That was all I, those chairs in that. Yeah, one, I too. used to watch that all, all the time, but. Uh, I guess for this year, because I'm not watching it uh, regularly, but I, I do know what's going on. I know Brock's going to be in it. Goldberg's going to be in it. The Undertaker. All these guys are going to be back in the Royal Rumble. And I was looking at the list before, and I'm familiar with these guys somewhat, but I'm just not sure because it seems like in this year it's more wide open than it's been in, in previous years for sure. All right, I'm going to put on my wrestling hat on for put a the second. the wrestling hat on. The best part, this is one of the best parts of the brand extension is that the Rumble is much more open this year than it's been in the past. The past two years, it's been so predictable. Last year, Triple H. The year before, Reigns. But this year, there's different... Oh, God. This year, there's storylines from both brands that could easily make it to the main event of WrestleMania. A lot of buzz for Braun Strowman here. There's some buzz maybe for The Miz. Uh... At the end of the day, you know what? It's got to be Undertaker. You think? But it's complicated. Who's he going to face? He, he has to face Cena at WrestleMania. Well, that does that match need to necessarily be for the title, though? No, it doesn't. That's the thing. And the problem is that SmackDown's next pay-per-view, most of our listeners probably tuned out by now, but yeah, I don't, they don't care. I don't care. I don't care. SmackDown's next pay-per-view is Elimination Chamber, right. where the champion is going to defend the title inside the Elimination Chamber. If they're going to have an Undertaker-Cena feud for WrestleMania, they would be wasting their time to have Cena in the chamber. That would be It would be completely pointless. Well, if under, say Undertaker wins the Rumble, he's going to have to face the champion. So and, and it's going it, to be it was, Cena, but it would just waste time in the feud. I think Braun Strowman... I don't. Want, I don't want to see him win. I, I don't know too much about win. him. I've seen him a couple times, but he's like the type of guy that I hate watching. Like huge, burly. But he's guys. different. He's not like the Big Show. He's right. quicker. He's, he's quicker. Much more agile. All right. Tell me, who would you rather see, Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman? Well, Rollins is going to face Triple H. I'm just saying. D- take that out of the equation. What type of guy would oh, you prefer Rollins, to watch? Of course. These the smaller athletic guys are the guys I love to watch. And Braun, he again, he, he hasn't been built up in a way that you want to see him in the main event. He's you been know? built. He's, I mean, he's been pushed very but hard. But like he, are the fans connecting with him though? No. Really? And who's he gonna Do face? They care? Rain, who's he gonna face? Reigns. That's the worst ah, main event. That's maybe. that sucks. Well, the main event's going to be the main event's going to be Taker. All right, the the title match. All right, before we sign off, just a couple of quick predictions. I think Triple H will interfere in the Rollins Owens match. He might try to get Jericho from out of the cage. Probably not. Reigns Owens match. Yeah, the Reigns Owens match, and there might be some Rollins interference there as well. And I think Cena's going to beat Styles. And I think Shawn Michaels will make a surprise appearance Shawn in his hometown of San Antonio that makes sense. in the Royal Rumble match. And I think Brock and Goldberg are going to brawl it Did out you say and face you in WrestleMania. Did you say who was going to win? Yeah, Taker. Oh, you thought Taker I've got Undertaker. I guess I could go with you. I he mean, will burst in flames. Burst in flames. Following his victory. It makes sense. And with that, that will end it for today's, for, for today's Pound for Pound podcast. Excuse me. Thank you to our producer, the venerable Mariano Castro. 
For my partner, Tom Terzulli, I'm James Cargan. We will see you next week to recap all the action. We bid you adieu.